Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this special Halloween edition of Full Circle. Tomorrow is Halloween, but tonight we're going to have a whole lot of fun, too. We're your hosts this evening. I'm Vika Aronson. And I'm JC. Tell them what to expect, Vika. Well, tonight we've got some audio tricks and treats in store for you, including some facts about the day we betcha didn't know, and a look at the difference between Halloween and Dia de los Muertos. What else, JC? Well, we've got coverage of the event Blood and Ales taking place at a local pub, and a little bit of story time with me. (laughs) We've got a jam-packed show this week. We're going to have a good time, and try not to scare you too much. It's All Hallows Eve, Eve, tonight on Full Circle, so stay with us. You're listening to Full Circle, and as we mentioned before, this week is the 2015 Halloween edition of our radio magazine. Right, right. So I'd better get on my costume and grab a bag for trick-or-treating or something, right? <laughs> no need, JC. You and I will be safe in here in the studio all night, so you can save that scary Donald Trump costume for tomorrow night. Oh, but I wanted to make America great again. It's, the hair's, ter- it's terrifying. The hair's Please perfect. just leave that all at right. home. Never to be seen again. Tonight we're going to look at some local Halloween celebrations. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, speaking of local celebration, that reminds me of Dia de los Muertos. Um, I work in the Fruitvale District in Oakland, and on November 8th is the Dia de los Muertos Festival right there at the Fruitvale Barton. Though Dia is right around Halloween, and it does have some similarities, it's a totally separate holiday. Hmm. I really know very little about De Los Muertos, which is why I'd like to turn to our co-producer and resident Chicano scholar, Josiah Luis, for his comments on Dia De Los Muertos and how this holiday is not Halloween. We here at Full Circle now present the following cultural service message for your consideration and contemplation. The great American pastime of incorporating aspects of different cultures into one big cultural blob has never been more apparent than when we are celebrating our holidays. We celebrate Christ's crucifixion with a giant bunny hiding colorful hard-boiled eggs. We pair a beheaded St. Valentine with Hallmark cards and heart-shaped candy, an Irish saint with four-leaf clovers and green beer. And on the fourth Thursday of November, We eat turkey commemorating the indigenous people of America sitting down to a fictitious historical dinner with Europeans that would eventually kill them while we get together with family who we only see once a year and may also want to kill. And now, in keeping with this American tradition, we have Halloween tossing Latin America's Dia de los Muertos into its bag of candy. So now... We as Latinos here in America can look forward to the marigolds and colorful calaca heads with the names of our dearly departed on them becoming part of the decorations of Halloween, like the spooky ghosts and witches' silhouettes on a broomstick. The colorful papel de mache that decorates our ofrendas are now going to be sold at the Walgreens Halloween aisle, along with the plastic tombstones for your front yard, scary black cat, rubber marigolds, and bags of Wonder Bread Pan de Muerto. And honestly, I can see why the average Americano might consider Dia de los Muertos some kind of a Mexican Halloween. After all, at first glance, there's the calacas grinning at you. Our ofrendas often have candy on them along with other sweet things, 
I could even see how your average Bay Arian might confuse our pan de muerto with some big fancy schmancy scone. The proximity calendar day-wise, October 31st and November 1st, yeah, I get it. But consider this for a moment, dear listener. Halloween has its origins in Samhain, an ancient Celtic harvest festival which the Irish and Scottish immigrants brought to America. Black cats and broomstick-flying witches didn't start appearing until around the 1890s. Strangely enough, the witch's origin, which is such a prominent Halloween image, played no role in the original Celtic tradition. And neither do the Halloween costumes. And trick-or-treating, which is probably the most beloved tradition associated with Halloween, didn't even begin until the 1920s. And that's the nutshell definition of Halloween. While Dia de los Muertos can be traced back hundreds of years to indigenous observances in Latin America, as well as to an ancient Aztec festival dedicated to the goddess Mictecahuitl. And nowadays in Latin America, Dia de los Muertos has evolved into a holiday that focuses on gatherings of families and friends to come together and pray for and remember those who have died and help support them on their spiritual journey. Small, colorful altars called ofrendas are made, decorated with pictures of our dear departed, as well as items that the departed enjoyed, marigolds and pan de muerto, as well as colorful papel de mache images are also traditionally used for decorations. So comparing the individual aspects of each holiday like we just did, aside from the skeletal symbolism and calendar dates, you can obviously see that the two holidays, Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, couldn't be farther apart from each other. So let me just ask those staunch givers of holiday Hallmark cards and Bay Arians who celebrate all the American meat and potato holidays out there, before they finally blur that holiday timeline between October 31st and November 1st forever, have you ever celebrated Dia de los Muertos? Now, being a Chicano, I may be culturally biased here. Have you ever made a small ofrenda in your house, put marigolds around it with pictures of familia, a friend that is gone, a dead poet whose words moved you? Have you ever placed the cigarettes that your amigo liked next to a smiling calaca with his name on it and remembered him? Have you ever been to a graveyard in Mexico on November 1st when there are candelas and colors and familias gathered around each other laughing, singing canciones and telling stories, songs and laughters and colors that continue well into the night, keeping the bones company of the ones who have gone ahead? So America, before you finally blur that holiday timeline between October 31st and November 1st, por favor, Try it yourself. Make an ofrenda and put pictures up of your dearly departed. A little plate with some candy that they may have liked or something small of theirs. And remember that old Mesoamerican saying that goes, Death is a dream awakening from life. And after you do that, go ahead and tell me that Dia de los Muertos is not worth keeping separate from Halloween. Yo soy Josiah Luis with Full Circle. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA and online at kpfa.org. 
What you just heard was a piece about Dia de los Muertos from our own Josiah Luis. Next, we sent out Full Circle roving reporter Sean Thornton to St. Albans Brew Pub in Oakland to get a live interview with the owner and bartender, Gage Newman, about one of the most popular celebrations in Oakland, blood and ales. Now, we don't do much live broadcasting here on Full Circle, so bear with us. But right now, we go out to Sean Thornton at St. Albans Brew Pub in Oakland. This is Sean Thornton, reporting from St. Albans Brew Pub in Oakland's Temescal District, the Bay Area's hottest Halloween party of the year, Blood and Ales. Looking around, we've got indie music, youngsters apathetically bopping around, thick-rimmed glasses, ironic costumes, and of course, craft beer. I'm here with Gage Newman, St. Albans' owner and bartender for the evening. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. So, Gage, it seems like this fall everyone's on a pumpkin spice kick. Pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice cupcakes, even pumpkin spice salmon. <laughs> hmm. How are you all at St. Albans? Getting in on the trend? <sighs> pumpkin spice ale? <laughs> no, not really our style. We're more of an anti-establishment establishment. Oh, okay. <laughs> then what will you be serving tonight? Blood and ales. Blood and ales. <laughs> A little grenadine thrown in the anchor steam, eh? Classic San Francisco treat. We haven't served anchor steam since the company sold out to Fritz Maytag in 1965 and began mass producing their beer. We only serve microbrews brewed with solar and wind power from permaculture-raised, hand-picked, bicycle-delivered, fair-trade hops. As for the blood, no, it's not dye. It's blood. Human blood. Human blood. <laughs> You've got a great sense of humor, Gage. We don't use dye or artificial flavorings in our beer. Our beer is authentic and honest, and so is the blood. Calliope Jensen from local independent publishing house Nomadic Press, performed here last July. We partnered with a local Vegetable Justice Youth Project to have her perform here at the pub. She did her Menses series. It was very moving. During her poem, I Am More Than My Cycle, she bled. We captured it and brewed it into our Belgian triple mash called Menses Dementia. That's our featured cask tonight. Fascinating. And what's going on here? Well, this is interesting. I'm witnessing quite the scene here. Two, it looks like, youngsters are, well, let's just say, thoroughly enjoying one another's company. Are you seeing this, Gage? Wow. Oh, wow. Is this a common occurrence here at St. Albans Brew Pub, Gage? They're on a forker date. Well, this is quite a sight. I've never seen anything quite like this before. The young man appears to be biting the young woman. They're dressed as, it looks like, Dan Aykroyd's Ghostbuster and the volleyball from Tom Hanks' film, Castaway. Really, this looks unnatural. Gage, he's biting her. 
face off. This is frightening, folks. Are you hearing this? He just took a chunk out of her cheek and it doesn't appear to be a stunt. Sean, Sean. You're biting. Yes, yeah, sometimes can, can that happens. Can you hear us, Sean? You've heard of Folsom Street Fair? That's funny, Gage. Yes, but this doesn't look like your run-of-the-mill S&M scenario. He just took a chunk out of her arm. Is Sean, this performance art? Is this real? This is too honest. This is too realistic. Vika, JC, oh my god! What's going on, Sean? Sean! Stay with us, oh, Sean. The, the horror! Uh, oh my... Sean. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA. Back to you in the studio, JC and Vika. We'll be updating you as this madness unfolds. Sean, are, are you there? Oh my gosh. What? Hello, Sean. Can you hear us? Oh my. Okay. Um, we're sorry about that, folks. We're not exactly sure what happened there. Um, but Sean, we hope you're okay. We're going to send some backup and we hope to hear back from you soon. Gotta love live community radio, right? <laughs> right. Okay, you guys, that was Sean Thornton reporting live from the Blood and Ales Halloween party at St. Albans Brew Pub in Oakland that clearly went awry. Something went on down there. Something very strange is going on. Well, we're going to have to continue with our show, JC. And what do we have next? Um, I'm a little shaken, but uh, what we've got is a little story time piece from me where, um, in honor of the Halloween season, I look at the compelling nature of zombie stories and why zombie film and literature really draws us in. I went out to lunch with a friend a few years ago, and we went to Chipotle, or Panera, or one of our frequent foraging establishments. Throughout the meal, my friend kept yawning. Why are you so tired, I asked. Well, she said, Shay and I, a mutual friend of ours, stayed up really late last night with her cousin Jason watching TV, and after that, I couldn't sleep. Now this friend of mine is the kind of girl who enjoyed television like Friends, Gilmore Girls, and The Real Housewives of Orange County. Not material that exactly makes for tossing and turning all night. I asked what they watched that made her so sleepless. She looked down at the floor, somewhat embarrassed, and said, We watched the entire first season of The Walking Dead last night. Are you serious, I asked? You don't even like scary movies. And you stayed up all night watching a cheesy zombie show? Come on. No, 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 she insisted. It's a good show. You'd really like it. I was nothing less than skeptical but more and more of my close friends began telling me to watch it. I waited until the first three seasons were on Netflix and I began watching the first season. Less than two months later, I was finished with the third. Other than an extreme lack of self-control, why did I devour this zombie show when I don't even like that stuff? But it's not just me. The craving for zombie flicks is, well, an epidemic. The movie Warm Bodies, a zombie romantic comedy by the way, was a box office hit, grossing more than triple its budget. And then there's World War Z, a book so popular that Paramount Pictures made it into a movie with Brad Pitt. Not to mention Pride and Prejudice in Zombies, another book made into a movie, this time with the zombies pestering Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. Which brings me back to The Walking Dead, the cream of the crop when we're talking zombie film. 
Writers Guild Awards, Screen Actors Guild Awards, Critics' Choice, People's Choice, Teen Choice Awards, Golden Globes, Primetime Emmys, the list of awards and nominations for the show goes on and on. And it too began as a book, but this one as a comic book before it began a successful run on AMC. When I was a kid, I asked my grandpa once if he ever killed any Germans in the war. He wouldn't answer. He said that was grown-up stuff, so... So I asked if the Germans ever tried to kill him. He said he was dead the minute he stepped into enemy territory. He told himself, rest in peace, now get up and go to war. And then after a few years of pretending he was dead, he made it out alive. And that's the trick of it, I think. We do what we need to do, and then we get to live. But no matter what we find in DC, I know we'll be okay. Because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. When I thought of zombie film, I didn't think of a sprawling epic with philosophical speeches. I pictured a bunch of campy gray people in tattered clothes moaning, brains, brains. But then I learned of a brand new mythos around the undead. The zombies from this show, they're called walkers. They feed on flesh and don't talk much of brains. Loud noises will attract their attention and the characters whom they chase are more deeply developed. Then I found even more new zombies, the fast-moving zombies of World War Z, the menacing zombies of House of the Dead, a zombie in love in the movie Warm Bodies. In the last five or ten years, the zombie genre has seen a surge. We've moved into an era where we're really invested in fleshly, visceral monsters. That's Dr. Eileen Jones, a professor in the Department of Film and Media at UC Berkeley. In general, my area of specialization is genre film and film directors that specialize in genre film. Dr. Jones is the staff film critic for Jacobin Magazine. You can find her own musings in her book, Film Suck USA, which also has a website. I taught a zombie class at UC Berkeley in the film program that satisfied the genre film requirement and chose the zombie film basically because of what's more popular than a zombie and because I can choose my courses and I love zombies. She tells me how she came to like zombie film. I was converted uh, by George Romero as so many people were. Night of the Living Dead was a landmark film viewing experience for me. Probably because it's such a tremendously low budget, it's such a haunting and terrifying film. Even now, sets the standard in an amazing way. We start with the thoughts on the figure of the zombie. The figure of the zombie as a monster for Western culture begins with the American occupation of Haiti in 1915 that lasted 1934. So during that time, there was a, um, a just a rising level of interest in Haiti that had never existed before. And there were several amateur anthropologists who went to Haiti and wrote accounts of their experiences. The one that's probably the most pertinent is William Seabrook's 1929 book, The Magic Island. And he was really focusing on the practice of voodoo, and in particular, the creation of the figure of the zombie by a voodoo priestess or master. 
the voodoo zombie. Mm-hmm. Cool. Exactly. From there, you know, you, you have a hit book that becomes a hit play and then a hit film called White Zombie. And you get a little string of usually B-budget level films focused on the Haitian voodoo zombie with the fascination being that you can create this passive, willless, um, slave-like worker through the the power of the voodoo priest or the master figure. I mean, that's the terror of the figure of the zombie initially. It's so clearly a reference to slavery and neo-colonial situations, which are a kind of economic slavery, a condition of subjugation that continues, of course. Dr. Jones walks us through the evolution of the zombie figure as it evolves in film. The next Big development is George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead in 1968. He's the one who reconceives the figure of the zombie in ways that are so influential. We're still living in a kind of post-Romero zombie world. So he keeps the, the shambling, shuffling willlessness of the zombie, but he makes some major changes. He cuts the ties to the Haitian voodoo zombie. And he obscures the cause of the rise of the dead out of their graves in the form of zombies. He also brings the infectious quality. Initially, it just seems you die and then you rise again. But as he moves on through his famous trilogy that includes Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, he begins to develop the infectious idea, the contagion idea, so that it, you know, the quality of the apocalyptic pandemic comes in with Romero and is still with us today, of course. Do we see anything different than what Romero brought? Well, we see variations and certainly parody, such as Fast Zombies, probably the most familiar one, introduced with 28 Days Later. You get the brain-eating zombie. That begins in 85 with Return of the Living Dead. And that becomes such a popular variation, so closely associated with the thing of the zombie that people forget Romero never did a brain-eating zombie film. It's really in the 80s that you start to see this tremendous kind of affection for the figure of the zombie and people yeah. simply loving the idea of the zombie, wanting to dress up as zombies, you know, spoof the zombie, make fun of the zombie. And so many people kind of want to be them, kind of yeah. want to lurch around doing their own zombie imitation. Do you think that there is anything to that that, like, I mean, you know, there is some sort of a international language about, like, dead people. <laughs> like, every, every culture has dead and every culture like can understand dead coming back to life and just milling around. Absolutely, and there are so many qualities of the zombie that seem to relate to the experience of modernity and mass culture. It's a mass monster for one thing, and that's another of the uh, innovations of George Romero is the swarm. You can easily outrun them, you can basically bust them in the head and put them out of commission. Hey, this is JC back in the studio, and I hate to interrupt this piece, but we just got some disturbing news here. We spoke to Sean Thornton after he left the bar, and he said that he saw a man literally biting the flesh off another person. And folks, we got several other confirmed reports of an outbreak of other individuals doing the same thing. Yeah, um, according to news reports, we've officially confirmed, and this is pretty weird, that zombies are roaming the streets of Oakland, California. So folks, October 30th, 2015, It's officially the day that everything changed. Uh, Folks, horrific moments like these only come once in a generation, and we advise you to hold your loved ones close and try to stay safe. We're hearing now that there seems to be a pattern, this very odd pattern, with these apparent zombies. They seem to be in a trance-like state, but yet completely aware of technology around them. Wait, so like techies? They're like techies? I guess so. Some of them, yeah. 
Others, however, are a bit more um, I- ironic for irony's sake. So, like, some have been quoted as saying in their monot- monotonic voice, and this is a quote, we were zombies before it was cool. Like, what? Wait, wait, wait. So, like, what? hipsters? I, I guess so. It's certainly unbelievable. I mean, I'm sorry to laugh, but this is just ridiculous. Yeah, this is, this is These crazy. are reports from out in the field right hold, now. Hold on, hold on. Are you, are you sure? Thank you. Okay. Um. <clears throat> well, I've just been given the script. Um, we're officially interrupting this broadcast for an important news bulletin. A state of emergency is being announced as the Center for Disease Control is confirming that a contagion is spreading and the source is as of now unconfirmed. Mass acts of violence have been reported, committed by what eyewitnesses are describing as reanimated corpses. We've yet to have a statement by the police, but we can indeed confirm that it's right here. Hipster tech zombies are roaming the streets of Oakland, California. What? Okay, so for for those of us, for those of you joining us, we will remain live on the air for coverage of this story as it develops. Once we heard the news from Sean Thornton, we sent Full Circle reporter Josiah Luis out to the last Friday Art Walk in Oakland. While we wait for more information, we'll return to our scheduled programming. Here's my talk with Dr. Jones about zombies. It's the swarming that is the terror, so it's even a kind of mass monster for a mass society. Which brings us to the humanity, and then to why it's so compelling. I'd say it just hits us where we live. I, I think we very much recognize our world as the, the, the world being overtaken by zombies. Um, that's certainly one of the key hilarious jokes of Shaun of the Dead. You know, and parodies are so useful for telling us what these films are about when Shaun is walking along through a street that's been taken over by zombies and doesn't realize it for many minutes because the world is operating so much in the way that the world has been before the zombie takeover. In other words, we live in a world of fundamental alienation. And so we live in a zombie world. We recognize it as our own. Romero even takes it so far as to say these are movies that really aren't about the zombie figure. He said, you know, the zombie film is really about us and how human beings, living human beings, we're the scourge of the world more than the zombie. It is necessary that we have fundamentally flawed characters. The flawed hero. It's no doubt an integral part of the zombie story. And that concept is one that runs throughout folk stories, history, and mythic literature as well. Flawed heroes, or tragic heroes, like Oedipus the murderer, the least of his flaws, by the way, or JFK the playboy, or Odysseus the liar, or Thomas Edison the idea thief, or King David the adulterer, they're just like the heroes of the zombie stories. In them we see all our potential for good, as well as our flaws. The heroes of zombie stories are bogged down with the question of whose life to save and which lives are sacred. But it also comes down to the consumer. I've always liked the whole end of the world storyline. It's just always been interesting to me. Luis Arenas is an avid fan of The Walking Dead on AMC. And he shares a bit about what he watches and why. Right now, pretty much The Walking Dead stuff. Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead kind of like that too but I've always kind of liked anything about zombies pretty much anything with zombies has always been interesting to me and from as far back as Thriller Michael Jackson (laughs) to you know World War Z I started reading the book I mean I'm pretty much just interested in it the whole concept of 
half dead, half alive. I think it's pretty cool. I've always liked the whole end of the world storyline. It's just always been interesting to me because I always wonder whenever I watch an end of the world type movie or TV show, where am I at during this time? Like, what would me and my family be doing? So I always, it always engages me and zombies just adds that extra layer of, okay, you know, it's weird because, you know, usually in any zombie storyline, it's usually caused by some stupid thing that man did to try to invent a cure for something and it led to this disease. So I just think it's pretty much you know, man's ignorance or stupidity caused the end of the world. Okay, so now The Walking Dead specifically. Mm-hmm. The reason I started watching it was I used to live in, in the East Coast, but I never got into it, right? I didn't really care because I just didn't have time. But I moved back to California and I was in between jobs. And I would always stay up late just watching random Netflix TV shows. And I was like, you know what? One of these days, I'm just going to watch it. So it was like 12 o'clock at night. I saw I saw the first episode, and I was hooked. I think I saw like three episodes. Then I didn't go to bed till like 3 in the morning. And that was it. And it was just like I think I just binged watched the first season in the day yeah. of The Walking Dead. And you know, ever since then, it's just been – I just like the storyline. I think that it's, it just follows just a group of regular people into what happens, you know, when the world ends like it does in The Walking Dead. Luis had an interesting way of explaining what exactly pulls him in. Okay, so I don't know how to, I'm kind of sidetrack a little bit. I'll help me explain, right? So I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. My brother and I used to watch it all the time, but my favorite episodes of The Simpsons were always when it involved the whole town doing something. So I think that whole concept of it involves a big group of people or people trying to fight to survive or to do something, to solve something, I think that's really kind of captured me. With zombies, it's always a theme of you're always paired up with somebody and you're always looking out for your loved ones or people that that are close to you. So you want to know, okay, what's going on with them? With Walking Dead, for example... I mean, there's a lot of relationships involved in how our humanity evolves. What used to be right and wrong has totally changed and it's been flipped around. Right. So I think that that's something that anybody can, can really appreciate. But when you strip away the fancy philosophy, you're only left with one thing. But, you know, the, the other answer is just I just like that it's gory and it's just kind of funny. So, I mean, that's just pretty much like the simple answer. You know, I'm not trying to get too deep about it. <laughs> Unlike zombie films and literature from yesteryear, today's zombie entertainment is typically set in a post-apocalyptic world, which can be telling of human nature, as Luis mentioned. If you take a minute to watch the show, you may begin asking, are the main characters losing their humanity? Are they losing their sanity? And one of the most popular questions, how did this all happen? Robert Kirkman is the creator and writer of The Walking Dead comic book, and his words are the most telling piece. In the comic book's inside cover of issue one, Days Gone By, Kirkman penned an introduction that explains exactly why this zombie stuff is so compelling. He makes reference to the main character, Rick Grimes, and why we follow his life. What you now hold in your hands is the most serious piece of work I've done. It's really not that hard to believe when you realize that I'm delving into subject matter that is so utterly serious and dramatic. Zombies. To me, the best zombie movies aren't splatterfest of gore. Good zombie movies show us how messed up we all are. Zombie movies are thought-provoking, 
movies that make you question the fabric of our very society. And in good zombie movies, you get that by the truckload. With The Walking Dead, I want you to explore how people deal with extreme situations and how these events change them. You guys are going to get to see Rick change and mature to the point that when you look back on this book, you won't even recognize him. A sprawling epic. That's the idea with this one. How these characters get there is much more important than getting them there. I hope to show you reflections of your friends, your neighbors, your family, and yourselves. So, if anything scares That's exactly it. They're compelling because they show us ourselves, or what we potentially could be. Dr. Jones put it very nicely. The fractured human society, the inability of humans to cooperate with each other, get together, we can never seem to cooperate fully enough to combat the zombie. Whereas you see the zombies driven by flesh-eating instinct, they have what we don't have, and that's how humans will lose. It begs the question, to what do we need to be driven in order to lose our humanity? One critic of The Walking Dead told me that he just couldn't suspend disbelief long enough to be able to digest the impossibility of the undead. But to him I might now ask, how about suspending it long enough to digest the living being more dangerous and mindless than the zombies? I guess you wouldn't have to suspend it very long to see that, would you? You could turn on the news and see instances of people treating other people as less valuable than themselves when all we're all trying to do is survive. Sound familiar? Maybe you see it in their words, or maybe in their actions, or maybe in their political policy. But you see them devaluing their fellow man. Romero points the way toward how the zombie can be this major horror film figure. He's the one who, in Night of the Living Dead, makes a film work as an allegory for racism in the culture. And he's going to continue to work that angle. So different films will take on the rise of aggressive militarism. He'll take on the excesses of consumer capitalism, very famously in Dawn of the Dead. So as we kind of identify other types of terror in the world, The zombie is just this wonderful cipher or vessel for whatever our current fears are. When you watch a zombie show, don't worry about how the dead eat the living or the living treat the undead. Instead, look at the way the living treat the living. You may see xenophobia, or you could exchange what you're seeing on screen for racism you see in the world around us. In these characters, we see our own selfishness, our pride, our hunger for control, We see fictionalized and allegorized things we see every day in the real world. The point of watching those things on screen is for us to ask, who are the real monsters here? And to ask the same question when we look at the real world, and maybe even in a mirror, who is the real monster here? For Full Circle, I'm JC, and that's my story. You're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM KPFA where you just heard Storytime with JC. We're bringing you up-to-the-minute updates on the impending hipster tech zombie outbreak. As we said earlier, we sent out Josiah Luis to Oakland last Friday Art Walk. Josiah joins us now over the phone with a live update in the current uh, zombie situation on the streets of Oakland, my hometown. Josiah, uh, are you there? Yes, JC, I'm here. I'm here. It's uh, it's terrifying here. I, I got to say, um, we're coming to you live here in the middle of Oakland's um, last Friday art walk. 
where just moments ago we were being told by terrifying onlookers that hordes of what are being described as hipster zombies have suddenly appeared and began attacking and eating the brains of Art Walk onlookers. Oh it's my. carnage out here. That's, oh, that's oh just God. terrible. Yeah, we're hearing reports here, um, getting calls in that saying that they're they're hipster tech zombies. I, it, this is this is really really crazy. Um, I, I hear you've got some eyewitness reports that you've been hearing about. Well, what we've got so far, JC, is that we're getting reports that many of these zombies are uh, dressed in fashionably ripped vintage Pendletons and skinny jeans. Many of them have also been sighted carrying iPhones and taking selfies while they eat the brains of these poor Oakland residents, JC. It's oh, terrible. Oh, it's, it's awful. And, uh, and, oh, wait, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, we're being told by, uh, by, by several witnesses that um, after eating the brains of their victims, some of these hipster zombies are actually taking the keys off of their victims and moving into their apartments and lofts in the neighborhoods. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh no, man. We're also receiving reports that many of these hipster zombies arrived here via Uber and tragically have eaten the drivers that brought them here. One driver who miraculously managed to escape the hipster zombies says he overheard them complaining how they eat the brains in San Francisco but can't afford to live there anymore. So they've arrived here, hungry for brains and cheap live workspaces. Follow me on Twitter. Oh, how awful. Well, oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait, I, I, I gotta go. There's, there's some of them running towards me. I gotta, I'll, I'll, I'll check back with you. Please, if you would, stay out in the field and, and give us more information as this develops. I, I will, I will. I, just, I, I gotta go. I'm gonna hide behind this food truck. Okay, go, go, go. Wow, Josiah, uh, stay safe. We love you, man, and, and we want you to get back here in one piece um, as all of this comes to an end. And Jeez, um, we're, we're going to check back with Josiah as the night rolls on here on Full Circle. Um, we've got to do a station. You're listening to 94.1 FM KPFA, and we'll try to bring you as much normalcy as we can uh, to the show tonight. So let's go to a Halloween classic, one of my favorites, The Monster Mash. <laughs> My eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash, he did the monster mash, the monster mash, it was a graveyard smash, he did the mash, it got on in a flash, he did the mash, he did the monster mash, from my laboratory. We're back on Full Circle on KPFA. And we're going to have to interrupt this Halloween staple with an official KPFA update on this HTZ outbreak. That's right. Right now we're going to uh, continue our live coverage on the hipster tech zombies. For more on this, we go now live to KPFA reporter Rob Lampkin, who has a report from an official dealing with the outbreak. Rob? Thanks for that, JC. I'm live here in the Temescal District of Oakland, where the creatures, who we can now confirm are being called HTZs, are not only taking over in droves, but literally moving into the neighborhood. Flannel-clad, mustachioed, hipster tech zombies have been sighted toting milk crates filled with vinyl LPs and antique furniture, said to be procured from local, quote, vintage shops into what the CDC is now deeming up-and-coming neighborhoods. I'm here with Paula Garibaldi of the World Health Organization. Paula, tell us what we're seeing. Well, first, they seemingly have their own language as they were speaking in a mixture of humor, sarcasm, and irony. 
before they devoured a local landlord, they demanded a loft space with built-in bookshelves to house their Monty Python DVDs. They want a plot of land to tend a community garden where they grow heirloom kale and a spare room for the occasional Airbnb guest, as well as, and these are their words, artistic expression. The last bit came from a fire dancer preparing to perform at the monthly Cussing Without Fussing ironic burlesque show. Wow, so you actually saw one looking for an apartment here in the Temescal. For our listeners, please describe the experience. The most frightening thing is that there's never just one. They travel in no less than pairs. The pair I saw today was a very standard duo. One had clearly been infected with the tech startup strand as he was going on about starting a new app and making sure they live along the Google bus route. And his wife, whom he kept referring to as his partner, she was on the slow progression of what is being called the stroller mom virus. Oh, so does that mean they are more or less invading, but leaving things unchanged? Well, no, actually. There are also environmental side effects of this invasion. Other than being viciously devoured, side effects include double-decker bicycles, discarded GoPro cameras, rising rent costs, half-empty cans of Pabst Blue Ribbon, and bold-rimmed ironic glasses, many of which we are finding are not even prescription. The Center for Disease Control is on site and coding these up-and-coming neighborhoods as quaint, rich in culture, and extremely dangerous. Now, Paula, how would our listeners know if they were in one of these high-alert areas? If you live near a fair-trade coffee shop that moonlights as an art gallery for sex-positive art made from hand-quilted macrame, or near a repurposed warehouse, or near a vegan-friendly steakhouse, let me tell you that it's too late. It's a shame. Well, what advice would you give locals who are looking at apartments where these HTZs have already settled? If you see HTZs in your area, grow a beard and try to blend in. Do not, I repeat, do not engage. One woman here in Oakland who appeared to blend in recently said good morning to a hipster tech zombie and is currently still listening to the zombie's beliefs around food justice. They will strike if provoked and tell you all about a new website idea they're working on. That is, unless they simply choose to devour you whole. Yeah. Really scary stuff. Thank you for that, Paula. You're welcome. All right, well, we go back now to JC and Vika in the studio for more of Full Circle. Thank you for that, Rob. This is Full Circle, and we are providing coverage of the ongoing hipster tech zombie outbreak. We're hearing that the herd is moving north from Oakland to Berkeley. We go now, once again, to Josiah Luis, who is giving us an update from the field. I just saw two of them. Uh, two of them are, are they are eating the brains out of a yoga mom near Phil's Coffee over here in the Temescal. It's awful. Just awful. Oh, God. They actually took a selfie in front of the corpse and then and then waited around for two drip coffees. And, and when the terrified barista told them it wasn't Blue Bottle, they ate him. It was awful. Just awful. Oh, gosh. Josiah, keep safe. And again, I, if you could... Check in with us throughout the night, if you could, I, please. I will. My God, I don't know how long I can stay out here. I, I don't I, it's, oh, oh. Thanks again, Josiah. Stay safe and get back here in one piece. We've noted before that they are moving north toward Berkeley, and we'll hear more from one of KPFA's own right now. We've got Mark Morrissey reporting from Berkeley with an update on the hipster tech zombie invasion, now officially abbreviated by the CDC as the HTZ infection. Mark, what have you got for us? JC, 
Vika, can you hear me? Yes, Mark, we can, we can hear you just fine. What have you got? The HTZ infection has spread from Oakland to Berkeley. We're not sure where the outbreak originated exactly, but we are watching it very closely and it seems to be traveling rapidly. It spread 12 miles in under an hour, primarily north, and has now reached Berkeley. The hipster tech zombies are preying on the most vulnerable of the population. Oh, the children and the elderly. Be safe out there, folks. It's actually the bros that are most in trouble, JC. As we're told, the bros are the least assimilated to hipster culture. They stand out most to the HTZs, and therefore, they're a much more likely target. HTZ experts have identified a bro factor at the UC Berkeley campus. It's drawing the zombies north toward downtown Berkeley. Experts say that the hipster tech zombies can smell your Axe body spray, hear you crushing Bud Light cans on your head, and detest your Dave Matthews album from up to 10 miles away. They will find you, insult your taste in beer and music, and then eat you alive. If you want to survive this mayhem, pour your beer down the drain, turn your music off, and stay home. So, uh, Mark, what are you seeing at your location here in Berkeley? Well, JC, I'm here in South Berkeley at Milvia and Russell, outside the home of Juliana Pedantilis a young Berkeley mom who narrowly escaped a hipster tech zombie attack herself just hours ago at the Ashby Farmer's Market. This was one of the first reported sightings of the HTZs in Berkeley, and they are becoming more numerous as the night goes on. Juliana joins me here with her 10-month-old son, Chesterton, in his baby Bjorn. Hi there, little Chesterton. So, Juliana, tell us at KPFA, what happened earlier today at the Ashby Farmer's Market? Well, I arrived there at around noon to do my usual shopping. Kale, pears, and holy basil for Chesterton's homemade baby food, as well as some eucalyptus seasoned sausage made from grass-fed cage-free pork and a cracked wheat gluten-free donut for the road. I was at the bees bark and hemp stand eating hemp cracker samples and looking at their hypoallergenic bark blankets when I hear this deathly it was a disturbing sound. And Juliana, what did you see? Oh, it was horrible. I was terrified, and I pulled Chesterton close to me. I looked behind me where the groaning had been coming from, and there I see hunched over, deadpan gray face, hair dyed a really cute dusty pink undercut, skinny jeans tatted up, pushing a stroller not unlike the one Sam and I have at home. Uh, well, a zombie. I mean, it sounds crazy, I'm sure, but I swear it's the God's Honest Huffington Post truth. And she was groaning, and at first, I couldn't make out what she was saying or what she wanted. And a half calf dirty child. The poor girl just wanted a midday snack. Wait, hold, hold on just one moment. This is Vika back in the KPFA studio. So, the HTZ, what exactly was she saying? A fair trade bacon cupcake and a half-calf dirty chai latte. So the zombie wanted coffee? Well, then I realized she wasn't hungry for a pastry and a coffee. She was hungry for human flesh. She's going after the woman walking out of the Starbucks across the street. 
She's staring straight at this poor, unsuspecting soul, clueless of the fate about to befall her. The woman comes out with her frappuccino, and it becomes clear that the HTZ, she had been telling this woman what she should have ordered. A fair trade bacon cupcake and a half-calf dirty chai latte. She's demanding. The HTZ and her zombie stroller baby got closer and closer to the poor Starbucks woman until she... Oh, oh God, it's just so horrible. It was just so horrific. There, there. It's okay. I think Juliana and Chesterton have been through enough today. And for you hipster tech zombies out there, I know you're listening. Leave us alone, you hear me? Go back to wherever you came from! Leave us be! This is Mark Morrissey, reporting live from South Berkeley. Back to you in the studio, Vika and JC. Thank you for that, Mark. This is KPFA, where we have up-to-the-minute coverage on the hipster tech zombie outbreak and more from Josiah, who is moving about on the streets in the middle of it all. I just saw a horde of, of hipster zombies coming up out of the Rockridge Park Station here. They went into the ramen shop and they went berserk when the hostess told them it would be one hour before they could be seated. Oh, the carnage and bloodshed. There's noodles and brains everywhere. Those poor rock ridgers will never taste that sweet, privileged rock ridge air again. Oh, the horror. The horror. Josiah, thank you very much for that report from out in the field. You're listening to Full Circle on KPFA, where we've interrupted our normal programming to talk about the hipster tech zombies on the loose. That's right, Vika, and uh, we're just getting word that all of this was somehow caused by the release this week of a smartphone application called Forker. It's apparently some sort of dating thing. Uh, The app launch party is actually happening tonight at their offices in Oakland, California. We go live again to KPFA reporter Rob Lampkin for the story. Thank you, Vika. This is Rob Lampkin, reporting live from Ground Zero, the place where this infection began to spread. Now, the HTZs have been moving from Oakland through to Berkeley, which has brought us to the epicenter of the outbreak here in downtown Oakland. And we are learning that this is no biological outbreak, but a scientific one. These hipster tech zombies have all been affected by the launch of a new app that seems to be changing people on a molecular level. I am here with the app developer and president of the tech startup where this all started. His name is Max Ziegler, and he created the app that brought about the zombie apocalypse. Max, can you tell us about the app that started this mayhem? It was funded by crowdsourcing, and I want to first thank all the backers of the app for getting it off the ground. Your thank you gifts are all in the way. But crowdfund? Wait. What did you offer as thank you gifts for the backers of your campaign? One week early download, a gluten-free autographed Skype session, and an agave-sweetened personalized voicemail. Okay, well, let's get back to the app itself. First of all, what is it and what's the intended purpose? Was it always to turn people into these hipster tech zombies? Well, there's an app for everything now, right? A social network just for people on the bathroom, hookup apps, dating apps, and even an app to generate reading material for you while you're on the can. Well, you've heard of Tinder, Grinder, and Spooner, right? Uh, yes, go on. Well, this app is called Forker. Made for people who just want to fork. 
It's a location-based social meeting app for forking that allows you to find people nearby who are just looking to fork without commitment. You want to find people near you who are like-minded and just wish to have a good time? Well, Forker is here for you. Plus, the app is completely family-friendly. My older sister just forked her best friend. My cousins who live abroad stay connected by forking, and there is a whole network of mother forkers. They mostly share recipes, but it's really great. Okay, so what do you have to say to people who are criticizing the fact that your app, Forker, also turns people into hipster tech zombies? I mean, everything has side effects. Sure, but not all side effects include turning a whole generation into flesh-eating zombies. No, but let's not go pointing fingers and calling names. People have been walking around as zombies for years, just milling around, looking down at their phones. All I did was make them act like zombies as well. Oh, and give them a taste for human flesh. <laughs> I always forget that bit. Okay, so what are your plans? You've turned a third of the populace into zombies. What's next? See, that's the problem with your American imperialistic mindset. You're always looking at what's next. What about the now? Expand your mind by contracting it. We're not looking at the future like you corporate suits always looking to step on the little guy. We're looking at the now. Okay, well, what are your plans for now? We're going to change the world with Forker. Make Forker national, maybe even international. Everyone will be on Forker. It's going to touch lives. This HTZ virus is no more than a small bug to work out. It might slow us down, but watch. Our second quarter numbers will skyrocket. You run a Fortune 500 company. It's on the Forbes list of best places to work in 2015. How much money are you making to turn these people into flesh-eating and insta-texting zombies? And more importantly, what do your numbers need to be for the madness to end? Look, we hit the 1 billion download mark tonight and made over a billion dollars. But money is just a construct. The yachts, houses, and cars are just things. When we are acquired, we'll be in every home in the country making lives better with Forker. The app is all the rage already. Since our launch tonight, we've got over 1 million followers on our various social media platforms. Facebox, Twittergram, Snapsplat, and of course, Google+. And we have KPFA to thank for that. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean? Your broadcast tonight, it's the best publicity that we could have hoped for. What? No, uh, we are warning our listeners to stay away from this app. I repeat, stay away from this app. <laughs> Come on, you tell them to lock their doors, the first thing they do is run to the window. You tell them to stay in their homes, and they rush out to the front porch. Your reports are the best things that have happened for us. Actually, radio's not a bad idea. In fact, it's pretty hot these days. Maybe I should buy a radio station, like KPFA. And that's right where I'm going to have to stop you. Community radio is not for sale. I think we've heard enough here. Vika, JC, I'm throwing it back to you. We're back here in the studio. And you guys, we're hearing that the they're in the building, that the HTZs, the hipster tech zombies, they have entered the KPFA building. Oh my gosh, okay. They're, they're coming close to you guys, you can hear them. Oh! Oh my god, they're they just the entered the room. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. No, you no, don't stop. want us. Stop. You don't want us. No, you don't stop. want us. Stop. We stop. Stop. do anything. We, we, we have work. families. No. Ah! 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 Oh my goodness. Ah! 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 Ah!
to the end of tonight's show. We'd like to thank all of the people who contributed tonight and made a delicious meal for the zombies. Mabel Christian, who goes well with a slice of cheese, and Colin McCarthy, who is best served dry. We'd also like to thank Anna Slate, who pairs well with the side salad, and Ashley Ann Craigbaum, who we ate on the spot. We also want to thank the great Patton C.D. Miller, who we devoured home with a side of snap peas. And Mike Axelrod, who was delicious and was himself more than a single serving. Thank you for listening to Full Circle. Miss M is our executive producer. Free woman Franklin Sterling is our technical director. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Thanks to Josiah Luis for engineering the show. Sorry about your brains, bro. Full Circle is brought to you by Forker. Fork everywhere. Show him that you care. Fork him. I, for one, would also like to thank and welcome Max Ziegler, our new zombie overlord. Happy Halloween, everyone. Stay tuned. La Honda Bahita is next. And for all of us zombies, I am JC, and that just happened. Kinda. It was a zombie jamboree, place in New York Cemetery. It was a zombie jamboree, place in New York Cemetery. Zombies from all our